Hey everyone and welcome to the Never on the Same Page podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm Kim. And happy Black Love Month. I hope you all have been enjoying this month so far of beautiful black history and love. We have so much to talk about though, so let's get to it. Did you watch the uh, NBA All-Star Weekend? Did you catch that? I did not watch per se, but I feel like the way social media and the world just works, you constantly are getting updates on things going on. Um, So the first thing that um, I saw probably, I think it was the first thing, was the Shaka Khan fiasco. Yeah, about that. Yeah, like <laughs> I saw it several times, like just her picture or like that she was up singing the national anthem and I'm not really on the anthem real strong anyway. Right. Um so I was just like, "Oh, I'm not. I didn't even pay any attention at first." And then it was like coming up that she did a bad job and I'm like, "Not shocked." Not sh- because no, she wouldn't, right? Right. Um, so I finally, after so much talk, and then when people start, um, literally, um, I don't want to say blaspheming, but they, they were disrespect, they didn't put respect on her name when they start saying that she sounded worse than Fergie. So I was like, let me just go ahead and listen, because Fergie was a hot mess. Flaming. So yeah, so I checked it out. Um, and, and after I checked it out, (laughs) I will say... I it well, I did not think it she sounded great. Um but I do not think she was as bad as Fergie. Like I I I assumed she was not going to be as bad as Fergie and she was not. But then there were people like, "Oh, she just needed a church band behind. Her. Oh, she just made it churchy." No. And I'm going to say something controversial that I haven't talked to you about. I think Shaka was inebriated or high. Do you? Yes. <laughs> I didn't think about Oh, that. yes. I said, she's back home in Chicago. <laughs> she got, she got around her people. <laughs> she got lit. It was like, she oh, got snap. Lit. I got to go see the next Yeah. <laughs> she had that, like, family cookout slur going oh, on. Snap. She went She went for a drive with the cousins and came back and sang the anthem. So, I was thinking... Uh, I didn't think like her voice sounded bad. Her arrangement was right. terrible. Right, she could hit her nose. Yeah, she was not hoarse. Like when she took it up, she took it up. Yeah, but it was like, don't take it up. Please. It was like she was <laughs> like I don't know, like out of pocket in place. Like she, yeah. like her voice sounded good, but it was yeah, it was it was just it, it was, was like terrible. a good singer being silly. You know they can hit their notes, but you—they're yeah. singing bad. It's like they're singing bad on purpose. But I don't—I don't think she was singing bad on purpose. I think she was inebriated. I think yeah. she was drunk. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the internet is so quick. They yeah. put together her uh, rendition yeah. and Fergie's together, together. And I was listening to it driving down the street. I had to I turn was it like, off. Why did y'all do this? <laughs> I had to turn it off. I said, "This is an assault on my ears." <laughs> I I can't do this for real. Like that's not nothing that you listen Mm-mm. to riding down the street. And I made that mistake. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she sounded terrible. She sounded terrible. Um. Um. I, I like the uniforms. They did. They um. Oh, yeah. They had a tribute. Like everybody either wore twenty four or two for Gianna and Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Um. I thought that was really sweet and cute and something I I didn't. 
I didn't think if I knew they were going to, they had talked about they were going to celebrate and honor his life and legacy and stuff like that. But I, I thought that was really a cute touch and a sweet tribute yeah, to him. Yeah, definitely. And I actually want to thank Shaka Khan for her horrible rendition oh. because it made me actually go into and see like who all the performers were and <laughs> Common. <laughs> which is Bay. <laughs> he opened up with like a awesome spoken word. Okay. Like uh, it was called If the City Could Talk. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, D-Way like cried. Mm. He was like, you know, sniffling and whatnot. But I mean, I would have too. Cause Common, he just, the way he executed that thing was just, was just perfect. And mm. I got, you know, uh, chills and my, my hair on my arm stood up. Really not on my head. Cause <sighs> you know, I ain't got none, but. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I was really touched oh, by okay. it. See, I didn't watch all of that. I um, I didn't see the whole I, whole big tribute. I watched Jennifer Hudson's portion. Mm-hmm. I did too. I had thoughts and feelings. Um, we'll see. Okay, so if you guys are coming to listen to like who won the game, we don't have that oh, for you. I do. Or do you? LeBron's team won. Okay. Only by two points. Okay. You know, and everyone said like it was a really fun game to play. You know, sometimes players, um, and I've watched in past years where they played dirty or when people were really competitive with each other, they really want to get one up on each other. This was like all about love and just coming right, together right. and playing. Yeah, definitely. Because um, they said like LeBron wasn't even like heavy on trying to win. He was just like playing and having fun and they just happened to win, which I thought was a really good like lighthearted and celebration of love among the among the teams and you know everybody like that and also with that um and when you talked about D-Wade crying I wonder if it was after did you see the hug between him and Allen Iverson I saw that clip going around yeah and first I will say personally I am not a big fan of catching these intimate moments and like even when they're positive, that's something that's not, that was meant, that was something sensitive between the two of them. Mm-hmm. They lost somebody that meant a lot. And I saw, you know, Iverson had on the jersey and mm-hmm. the hat and everything. And you knew, like, him and Kobe came in the league together. Yeah. And, you know, even though they were never played on the same team, they're in, they're in a special league of their own. The year they came in, and also the NBA, it's like their own fraternity. So people that are rivals on the court are not always rivals in life, and they had not been rivals in life. And so they, you know, there was this love and this intimate moment, intimate hug, which was really sweet and went, you know, all over. Everybody was posting it, and like, like I said, I kind of cringed because it felt that private. It felt. And I mean, I know they did the hug in public, but still, they weren't doing it for a camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it was very sweet and it was very heartfelt. It showed the love that they had for Kobe and, you know, and just that that transparency of vulnerability um, that people just love. You know, like you talked last time about how much you love to see that um, with men. Mm -hmm. Um, And they totally, they mourned and they grieved together. And it was really sweet to watch. Yeah. It's, it's def- they're going to be that way for a while. And that, that made me think of, like, even what you said, they, they were playing the game for fun. But I'm just like, okay, so when are they probably going to get back into, you know, mm-hmm. the nitty-gritty of playing ball? Or is this, like, a tone that's now set, mm-hmm. you know, forever? Like, you know, basketball definitely is not going to be the same, mm-hmm. you know, for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then they did announce, like, the 
Um, what is it? The MVP from now on is going to be uh, like the Kobe Bryant Award or something like okay. that. Like it's going to have his name in it. Yeah, um, I did not look at any other thing but um, like Jennifer Hudson Common and Shaka Oh, Khan. yeah, we need to round back out to sis. Yeah, um, I'm just going to say that even with her... Um, it was effortless. Like her, you know, she wasn't pitchy. Just mm-hmm. same thing with Shaka Khan. Like she was really, you know, she sounded really great. Uh, the only thing I didn't understand was the the, the song. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's called uh, For All We Know. I'll just say For that that's what it's called. It For All We Know It Is. <laughs> um, I have a original piece question mark in my mind because mm-hmm. I've never heard of the song before. Yeah. So I don't know if she, you know, did I'm that guessing, for. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't look up whether it was, you know, like a but it sounded like a phone conversation until she starts singing a man. Yeah. She so was, was like, like for thine is the kingdom. So like the beginning of the song, like for all we know, basically like, you know, we don't we have know, all this time. Yeah. yeah. And then at the end she like mashes it up with the Lord's prayer. And I was like, where yeah. did this come from? Right. Because at first like when I before I watch it, because at first I didn't want to watch anything about the All-Star Game. I don't know why. I just wasn't feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to watch. But the clip kept coming up of like her Amen part. And I thought she had done, I thought she did a remake of Total Praise. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't quite catch this song. I was like, is it Total Praise? Is it an original? Is it something else? And I was like, I thought maybe her arrangement was was confusing me and I couldn't figure out the song and then so I went and I listened to the whole thing and I was like oh because I don't know this song no. this must this is new but I did did you notice like at the very beginning she started and she stopped and she started again she did she did cuz at first like so I'm listening I was listening to it with my phone facing down so it was like it was you on youtube and i had my phone facing down and she hit that first note and i went ooh, because i'm like because <laughs> i'm like people been saying she tore up she sung so great but she immediately she came back she yeah, was like she did you know erase that bring it back yeah, and she, she did hit it Lovato yeah move. but she when she came back it was you know flawless and effortless yeah. and she had the power the range beautiful beautiful gowns yeah. like aretha yeah. would say <laughs> but i i wish it was a song that we could relate to yeah. that we could that meant something to us yeah i you was know like I mean? where are we going with this right when she, when she did that i was like what is it this gotta be original because i've yeah. never heard because like i said at first it sounded like she was talking to a friend and then when she went into the prayer i'm like oh she's talking to god about seeing kobe again because <laughs> you know i i just didn't know and i would have i would have loved to been able to connect really deep with yeah. the song because i wanted because the power was there the emotion was there but i was like what is what are we singing about yeah definitely i was um, i was I was thrown off. Um, yeah, but that's all that I had for the. Yeah, me too. I didn't, star. and I think we probably should go to be a little bit better about uh, watching the full length of these shows. So I'll leave that to you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'll go to sleep. <laughs> that is true. So, but it, but even though, like, it's funny because, like you said, social social media gives you like pretty much the gist you know mm-hmm. so you really don't have to yeah and that's what I, I haven't checked recently well i'm saying i haven't checked for the all-star game but this was like the lowest rated um grammy awards lowest rated um i think it was one of the lowest rated super bowls like people are not in it for these long drawn out hoopla that doesn't mean anything and doesn't resonate like i was thinking about that with like the grammys and the oscars it's really like um 
a staff meeting that yeah. we're watching and they're in dresses. You know what I mean? Like they're in fancy clothes. Yeah. Like I this can see is that. yeah, because like a lot of times, especially um, especially with the Grammys and the Oscars, things will win that were not blockbuster hits that were some little um, indie independent that we didn't watch in theater. So it's like, we can't even celebrate with the winner. I'm like, what is that? Mm-hmm. I remember, oh my gosh, this was set like years ago. But um, I was rooting for somebody with the Grammys and Steely Dan won. I'll never forget. Never had heard of them before then. And I was like, Steely Dan? You know, like, I'm looking them up like, who are these people? But like the big blockbuster who, um, you know, and it's music, so it's not blockbuster. But I'm saying like the big top rated song, the bop we were listening to all year didn't even win the Grammy. Mm. And so, you know, people have lost that excitement like pins and needles who's gonna yeah. win who's gonna uh, gonna open the envelope it's like oh i'll google it tomorrow yeah it's, it's definitely like um <clears throat> and again i can't stress it enough it's that social media that comes into play but as these things go yeah, the internet year period. by year yeah it's um yeah. It's, it's less exciting because of course now people even with like the DVR, oh, I don't, I'll watch it later, mm-hmm. you know, or I'll catch the highlights later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just really not. And the fact that millennials don't have cable. We Netflix, Netflix Hulu. and Hulu, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix, Hulu, Prime. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Shout out to Netflix and Hulu. Cause yeah. even with Hulu, like you can watch stuff yeah. after the next, and that's, that's my right. thing. Like I don't, I hate commercials. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I rather watch it the next, next day, day when I can fast forward, pause, you know, cause again, cause I, I go to sleep a lot. So a that, lot. that helps me to go back. A lot, a you lot. didn't have to. Wow. <laughs> A lot, a lot. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, so Valentine's Day. Um, what did you do? I um, I was at home chilling with my mom and with baby Anthony. Okay. And I had him lovely gifts and he was super excited. I got him an Iron Man and mom got him Ryan's airplane. Um and it was fun. I almost got us the um, Pizza Hut special, the heart-shaped the heart? pizza. <laughs> I thought that would be so much fun. Mom was like, don't waste that money on that. That would so, have been wasteful. Yeah. Money is never wasted on food, especially it when it's pizza. <laughs> but yeah, so we just had a cool night, Ian. Um, it was our weekend with him, and so that was great. I love every time I get to see him and spend time with him. But, like, the day before Valentine's Day, uh, my mom had come to my job, and I, like, she said something to me and was like, oh, can you meet me outside or whatever? Um, And so, you know, I walked out the building or whatever, and I thought she needed something, and she had me flowers waiting. She had me flowers and candy, and I was mad because I ate my candy on Thursday, and I couldn't even wait till Friday, (laughs) but it was so good. She had me chocolate, and it was so sweet because my mom, she hates flowers. Um, Yeah, she, uh, it always makes her think of funerals and death, but she knows that I love flowers, so she got it for me because she knows, like, that's something that's special to me. Um, and so it was really sweet. So I love celebrating love and Valentine's yeah. Day is one of my favorite, um, holidays and it's never, it's never been about, um, 
you know, that it has to be about a romantic relationship right. for me. Right. Um, I've had few hol- a few Valentine's Days where I've actually been in a relationship. And I did it big, and I like to celebrate when I was when I was in a relationship. And I love that, and I love relationships and love. But I think whatever love you have in your life, that's a day to celebrate it. Right. Um, and, yeah, so it was fun for me. What did you do? So I took the kids, um, me and my kids, and um, two of my coworkers, two of my good friends. They uh, they had their kids. Well, one of them had her son. Her daughter wasn't with her, and her husband. Mm-hmm. So um, we went to go see Sonic, mm-hmm. and that was really good. Um, I liked that. I would definitely go see it again because I had to get up a couple times, one to get a refill on my popcorn and take uh one of the kids to the bathroom so i missed a couple parts mm-hmm. so i definitely would see it again but um then we um i celebrated my nephew's 10th birthday because he was born on valentine's day mm-hmm. um and that was it that was and well prior to that i i got my nails done um trying to be in the celebratory of you know red and you know heartsy stuff and it didn't go it didn't work out (laughs) (laughs) that's that's another podcast in itself of the experience that i had or we had at the at the nail shop but i was just trying to uh because i don't i normally don't get into the holidays and i just Mm -hmm. be like bah humbug i'm ready to get it all over with so i just kind of felt like if i got my nails done and you know, just just acknowledge, just celebrate it, even though I don't have a significant other. Yeah. I was just like, you know, I'll do something with my kids. So, mm-hmm. And yeah, and so I, like, with Valentine's Day, I think it's something that is special. Like, you know, I hate when pessimists are like, oh, it's created by the greeting card company and things like that. Because, like, what I think about is we are in a capitalistic society. We are in a consumer-based society. So it's like... Whatever the holiday, whatever thing we're celebrating, society's going to try to profit off of that. They're going to sell us some merch off of whatever we're doing. So I don't think even the idea of of people profiting off of Valentine's Day is like a big enough reason to not celebrate. Like love is all, you can't cancel love. Right. And, th- and that's what I think of Valentine's Day. It's a day set aside specifically and intentionally to celebrate love in whatever form and whatever way that looks for you. Um, so it, I feel like any way you can celebrate it, it's never, I don't think it ever brings me down. I don't care who had um, dollar signs in their eyeballs and decided, oh, I want to profit off this. Because you don't even have to spend a lot of money yeah. to celebrate and celebrate love and show someone that you love them. Right. And that's what a lot of people are saying. Because I've asked, uh, you know, I asked this one guy I work with, um, you know, what are you and your wife going to do? And he kind of just kind of like snapped and was like, uh, every day is uh, Valentine's Day. And, you know, when you're married and, and you, you're supposed to love each other. Like, I get it. Yeah, it doesn't he, matter it's, when. It's great that you love your spouse yeah. or significant other before exactly. the day before. And it's even great if you love, love them, them the after. day after. Yeah. But, you know, it's just the day. So I'm just and like, celebrate it. in between. Exactly. <laughs> so I just be like, celebrate it or shut up. Right. <laughs> like, don't nobody yeah. care. Or, and don't piss on nobody who does. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and again, I, I just celebrated mine with my children. So yeah. we just did, you know, because I know like one year I got them, um, I got them these mugs that say, uh, 
hello beautiful hello uh handsome mm. um then i got him like a little bear and some candy mm-hmm. so I just, I just wanted them to have like a positive yeah. you know connotation of you know of being loved and celebrated so it's just whatever you want it to be however yeah. you want you know you want to do it. it's not a it's not a biggie yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I even when my mom got me flowers i was like oh i'm so glad i already had her a gift because we normally get each other something for valentine's day but we didn't even talk about it we didn't say like oh this is who we want to celebrate this day because some days we have mm-hmm. and like when aunt jen was here i specifically one year i was like i want to celebrate aunt jen and i told mom like I felt the need to make it special for her. So me, we hadn't discussed this year who we were making feel special, and she did this out of the blue for me. And I was like, great, because I did something out of the blue for her. And I actually made her, I had one of those, um, you know, like paperweight cubes made, but they have pictures on them. Mm-hmm. And so one, one side of the cube just says love, and then like all over the cube is like a picture of me, Anthony, Layla, Aunt Jen, Tish. And so she really, really liked it and um, thought it was something unique. Because like I said, I knew not to get her flowers, knew not to get her candy. But so I always had to try to think outside the box and give something that'll make her feel good. So she really liked it. That's beautiful. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed your Valentine's Day, your low-key chill Valentine's Day. Always. I love Valentine's Day forever so moving right along to um joaquin phoenix i never know if i say his name right is it right okay so he wins uh the leading actor award for the joker Uh which i I haven't seen it yet have you yes i've seen you did is it good is it creepy it's good okay you, you know I don't it? care. <laughs> well, our like listeners the world might have seen spoiler. it. Spoiler alert! If you have not seen the Joker, tune us out now. Um, I watched the Joker just recently. Um, yeah, just the other weekend. Um, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was, it was dark. Like, okay, first of all, I, I love. Um, superhero movies. I love comic book movies. I love that. Um, and I love them when they're coming. I always call it comic booky. And what I mean by that is a lot of comic books are really lighthearted, mm-hmm. zam pop, you know, pop wow, and all that. Like you know, silly, tongue in cheek, but it's very dark. Okay. And um, it remind like you know everyone's been talking about Heath Ledger's Batman and all right. of that. I mean Heath Ledger's Joker, right? But he was in the Heath Ledger played Joker in the Batman movies. So when it was dark, I didn't even though I could appreciate Heath Ledger's performance, I did not care for that movie because it was so dark. And I was like, oh, I I grew up on the Michael Keaton Batman. Yeah, yeah. So and he was more funny if I remember. Yes, right? remember um, the Penguin, yeah. and you know that's Jack Nicholson's Joker. Right, right. Very silly. So this was dark, but it was very um, interesting. Okay, it was almost done like, you know. A criminal minds or inside the mind of a serial killers things like that okay um so but it was good to see because like some of the things that the previews did like he has a love interest in the movie and the preview show it you see the big kiss and and it's a gorgeous black woman who plays his love interest mm-hmm. and i'm looking at the previews like kind of ticked i'm like why they got this 
this queen with this crazy psychopath who murders people. Like that's when they decide to make us the key love interest with, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I was like real, real salty about it. But when you watch the film, the relationship is happening in his mind. She is his neighbor. Oh, he's a psychopath. He's a psycho. He's a Joe. <laughs> you know, and Please I'm just like, keep Joe's name out your mouth. <laughs> well, you know he's fresh on the dome since yeah. I just now finished. Yeah. So. And we'll have to talk about that too. So, but, but yeah, so yeah, yeah, he wins this award. Oh, um, I went into the home of why'd you ask me? Okay, <laughs> he wins this award uh, for BAFTA. It stands for British Academy of Film and Television Arts. Okay, research, research, because I had no idea what it was. Um. So he he does his speech, Mm -hmm. um, two-minute speech, maybe less than that. Mm -hmm. But it was so uh, packed of, Uh of, uh, I can't even think of how I want to say, but in just two minutes, like, it was a great speech. Um, He basically spoke about um, how people of color don't receive the same treatment when it comes to getting film awards. Mm -hmm. And he took personal responsibility for his part because he felt like he didn't speak up enough for people of color. Mm -hmm. And he's like, basically like people of color add too much, you know, they do a lot Mm -hmm. with us and for us and they don't get equal treatment. And, um, he talked about, uh, systemic racism Mm -hmm. and, um, basically how going forward he's going to be a voice because yeah. he's saying he you know he his privilege yeah his privilege mm-hmm. his and his platform his privilege and how you know he has not done enough mm-hmm. and you know basically that he's going to and i'm looking at this okay so we're testing out this new mic and we just figured out that uh we need to actually charge it so um but yeah um i uh i thought about like listening to this and I was just like, wow. Like for one, I thought, to, I thought to myself, like, I'm glad they didn't cut to commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think I, it was like something maybe a year or so ago. Uh, who was doing, they were, I think it was Drake. Was it Drake? He was, yeah, they cut him off. Yeah. They cut him off and like went to commercial or something like that. Yeah. But I just, I can't remember what he was talking about. Yeah. He was talking about like the awards don't mean. <laughs> yeah. Anything. So like with what he was saying, I was like, Lord, yeah. I'm glad they didn't cut to uh, cut to commercial and I'm sitting there thinking too like I don't know what prompted him but like bravo because you know like he said you know he doesn't or hasn't in the past used his privilege and it's great that he acknowledged that um, and uh, it wasn't like any like meme worthy faces in the in the audience I was looking just to mm-hmm. see like if people were like what um, but of course you know they got um, you know people clapped and it was a uh, well yeah, received. Kind of, yeah, some people's looking a little like stale. Like, okay, like I saw um, one per one website I looked at in particular, like showed a man in the audience. He didn't quite. It was a white man who didn't quite like roll his eyes, but he's just like, uh, you know, like people, especially white people and white men in particular, get real antsy about when you talk about white privilege and things yeah, like that. Yeah, and he was he, he seen, his mannerisms was, was real, like, uncomfortable oh, to yeah, me. Yeah. Um, and he's he's different type of guy. Yeah, you know? so it was just like, okay, like, here yeah. it goes. Like, like, yeah. like, he was, like, trying to figure out, like, 
uh, how is this going to go and how are they going to receive this? But, you know, I'm definitely glad he said something. Yeah. And I think a lot of, you know, like when you're saying like what prompted it, um, I, I can't speak for, I haven't heard anybody say this directly, but I think the film itself, um, Joker may have prompted it because it's a lot, it deals a lot with, um, marginalized groups about being poor, about having services cut off, about dealing with mental illness and not being able to get the help you need and people not hearing you and things like that. Cause I, um, I watched a review before I saw Joker and it really made me want to see it because previously I didn't want to see it because if you guys remember, and I'm sure you saw too, like when it came out in theaters, people were, um, like theaters have warnings on it, like mm-hmm. please, you know, be careful, don't bring young kids, like even though this is a comic book movie, it's not for young kids, and they were worried about it exciting it exciting violence mm-hmm. or um things like that. And when I saw it, I understood why, but there was a black guy I listened to and he said what he liked the film, but he said what was kind of irritating was they made you they tried to how did I put this? I've said it before and I should have wrote it down. They made you feel like empathize with the Joker, like because he was marginalized, because he got his benefits cut off, because these things were happening to him, that he was justified in his violence and in his actions and in him inciting rioting. Mm -hmm. But the black man was saying like, this stuff happens to us all day long. But it was like, because a white man who's supposed to be the, um, the voice of privilege, who's supposed to be the picture of having everything together. Who doesn't hear a white man when he talks? It's like, of course he's mad. Of course he's ready to kill. Yeah. Cause he doesn't, we don't listen to him. Yeah. And so that part of it, him, that part of the movie irritated this black guy who's saying like, we got to deal with that day in and day mm-hmm. out. And they don't expect us to go on a killing rampage. And some of us are born into that. Born and that's into what it. they use. And when- die in it. That's when when they when people die, you know, when black people die, that's what they used to stand on yeah. as to why they were uh, the way they were or how why yeah. they were killed. But they use that in a very negative yeah. manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I wrote a, a poem one time, and it's just like uh, they um, uh, the newscasters uh, make the the victim out to be a, a, a horrible person. You know, while the the killer gets to go free and get on be on you know paid leave and yeah. you know all of that stuff. So yeah, that's so a I rabbit think, hole. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, but I think a lot of that was brought to his attention even by filming this of the fact that you know we're supposed to empathize with this white man because his benefits get cut off, but it happens you know to minorities and poor and marginalized every day um so i think that made him think about it and have a conscience about it that he hadn't had before but also i don't know if you know this but like joaquin phoenix he's been blackballed like in hollywood before like he and um he in his oscar speech he talked more about that side of it that he was given a second chance and that's a privilege in itself and a privilege that a lot of white actors and white people in general have where they can show out, they can be disruptive on a film, they can they can have drugs and a sketchy past and come back and be triumphant and be on the Oscar stage. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they get that. And so in his second speech, when he won he did win the Oscar for the Joker as well, he was he talked about that, that he gets a second chance. 
But he also, he, he talked about marginalized groups in a much different way. And I think it had a lot to do with some of the backlash he got for his white privilege, you know, calling out white privilege speech for the Baptists. Because in the Oscar speech, he was talking about, um, nature and he was like we drink we drink the cow's milk in our coffee and you know he would he literally said that those were in his work <laughs> like in his speech you know and i think it was because people whoever whoever the powers may be i think he got some backlash and even maybe white he may have upset white people of power that wanted him to tone down saying, you know, that we're not accepting blacks and things like that. Mm -hmm. And he might've even, because his demeanor was still that same, like twitchy, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. He might've felt, felt uncomfortable. Like the BAFTA and Oscars are two very different stages. Mm -hmm. Oscars are much bigger where he toned down that blacks are not included or women are not. And, but he said like, he he really tried to smooth it over. I feel like his Oscar speech was more PC, but still taking a stand politically. Uh, but I feel like there were motivations behind it, and I would like to know more about it. Yeah. Um, because it seemed like he watered it down on purpose for the Oscars. Um, so that was interesting to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't mean to go in on that so much. But it also brought up the um and put in my mind about being an ally and what that means right. you know so he got a lot of love from marginalized groups like i said i don't know how whites took it or you know a lot oh, of the majority you know, was going off <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he got a lot of love from marginal you know from the marginalized communities and it made me think um and i've heard it said many times about being careful to in celebrating allies because allies are allies and they don't have to be. And that that's why we're exactly. grateful for them. But at the same time, because they come from a place of privilege, like giving them so much pat on the back for literally just, you know, sticking their neck out when, they, when they're not going to be hurt for it, doesn't, it's not as powerful as people in marginalized groups that stick their neck out when they have their life, their life on the line, literally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've heard many people and advocates talk about don't over celebrate allies, but even though that they're important. And so that's why even me, you know, like I try to be an ally in ways that I can. And like, we've discussed it here on the podcast and how I try to, um, always speak up even from the Christian perspective of um, protecting and defending um, people that the church has come down on. Like I feel like in my place in the church of where I'm accepted as a, you know, heterosexual black woman in a black church, I'm accepted, but I don't, I use my privilege to speak about how we demean and disrespect and talk badly about gays, but I don't expect to get a gold star for that. Right. You know what I mean? I feel like it's my duty to stand up and to, to show love because that's what God is, you know? And so Th that's all I mean by that is, yeah, it was great that he said it and that's really cool, but he got his flowers. Them awards are his flowers. Continue to be an ally, but there's people that are putting their lives on the line, um, standing up for their own communities that need recognition as well. So it's, it's a fine line and I'm not coming down on him at all. Like I said, I'm, I was really impressed that he did stand up and say something because he could have easily just said, thank you, love you, peace out and yeah. been done. But he used these big platforms to speak about some really important things. So, yeah. and so like going into that ally conversation, 
um, D Wade, who is being literally being an ally for his child, and he's receiving a lot of backlash within the black community and outside of it. Um, but I think for us, we've paid attention to what the black community is saying because that's what we're a part of. Right. Um, so yeah, so he made the announcement on the Ellen Show that formal his son who his son was formerly known as Zion has now he has come to terms with and accepted and his family has now accepted that he will no longer be he his pronouns are she and her and her name is Zaya and that um a part of what D Wade has been doing is research and learning how to love and accept and move forward knowing now that his 12-year-old daughter is trans. Um, so he's reached out to a lot of different communities, he said. He reached out even to the Actors on Pose, Pose. which is a show that I love and is such an eye-opening show for I me have, as I well. I to look at it, but yeah. I did see from someone who... Uh, it's powerful. As a homosexual male say that um, that's the most uh, accurate depiction of their it's lifestyle. Powerful. It's so powerful. And the, that very first episode is one that will resonate with me and has resonated with me for a long time. Because I definitely thought Pose was going to be about, and I we're not going to stay on Pose, but I definitely thought Pose was just like another RuPaul's Drag Race, actually. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just going to be a... Show TV show version of RuPaul's Drag Race. So it was gonna be silly, funny, um, just dressing up and drag life and all that. But it's so much deeper, and it goes into a lot of the rich backstory of where these people um, inside the LGBT plus family what they go through from coming to terms and accepting. Um, whether they are trans or gay or bisexual, whatever lifestyle they are, come in terms with themselves and how their family reacts. And the very first episode was literally like one of my worst fears played out. Um, And that is someone saying they're gay to Christian parents and then being kicked out on the streets and beaten he was his parents fought him like I had such a guttural reaction like I cried so hard and when I say it's my worst fears like I I never want to know that that happened to my loved one Mm -hmm. I and in the name of God no less you know I mean like they're doing their Christian duty punching their son in the face really are you kidding me so um You know, I thought it was great. I was really shocked, um, like, all the different ways he said he had researched this community. But he's really trying to come to terms with the fact of having a trans child and what that means for Zaya going forward. And he, D-Wade, is partnering with with Zaya and with a community to protect Zaya and other kids like Zaya that are in school and just protect them from bullying. This isn't a campaign to turn your child into anything. It's protecting kids that feel like Zaya and he's and he said that he that Zaya said that she has known this probably since she was three years old. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, and we don't know the backstory of what all it took for even D. Wade and Gabrielle and all their other family to come to terms and accept this. But they're at the point now where they're past what can we do to prevent or change what she's thinking. Right. It's moving forward. This is who she is. If we are going to love her and not snuff out her her vision of who she is, we have to come to terms with it. Um, I saw a post... Um, it just said, like, how can D-Wade tell um, Zaya how to be a, a woman when he hasn't taught her how to be a man or something like that? And I'm like, D-Wade didn't say, hey, Zion, you're Zaya and you're really a girl. And no, Zaya came to him with these thoughts, these feelings that she's been mulling over and confused and you know, whatever all she got to to say, hey, these are my pronouns. This is the name I want to go by. Um, and I commend D-Wade for Absolutely. being brave enough and having the foresight to protect his child more than he's protecting his own reputation and protecting his image as this star athlete and this um, black man on this big stage, he's saying, my children come first. And I think that is commendable. Um, I think that it is great that not only is he allowing Zaya to um, be transparent with him and his family, um, you know what I'm saying, with D-Wade's family, but he's also... Um, protecting Zaya as she goes through this journey. So to immediately say like, okay, if this is where, where we're at, if this is what you're doing, let's make sure you're safe at school. I think that is great because so many kids are um, bullied and um, deal with a lot of depression and suicide and all these different things. So I think it's really great to think about what this means for Zaya at school. And my thing going there, because this is also a topic that is a rabbit hole. Um, my thing is, um, my biggest thing is, like you said, nobody knows uh, D-Way's process. Nobody knows if he cried. Nobody knows if he walked around the neighborhood, you know, trying to gather his thoughts. Like, nobody knows. All you know is the, is the ending, and this is that he's accepting. But all that says to me is that he loves him, mm -hmm. and that at the end of the... Loves her, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, mm -hmm. um, whether this is a phase or not, yeah. Zaya is going to always remember, even when my father probably didn't agree or didn't understand. Mm -hmm. He still loved me and because protected he me. protected me because I saw a video and Zaya also said something about like, you know, knowing that it's going to be a very hard road, mm -hmm. um, knowing that uh, she's going to be ridiculed, knowing, you know, that she's yeah. not going to be accepted. Like knowing that, knowing that you're going to face this harsh stuff at school and in the world, but knowing that when you get home, you have a safe place. Yeah. Like uh, I saw the the letter, the open letter that um, her brother wrote yeah, to her. And I sweet. thought that was sweet. So was really she sweet. knows that she has allies. She knows that she has people that love her. And um, it, it's, it's so annoying that it's, again, Christians that are bashing him. And I always liken it to, and it's just surface level. Mm -hmm. Um us as God's true children, we do things and uh, put on 
facades and things that God does not like, that he right. does not agree with, that he didn't create us for. Right. But at the end of the day, he loves us for mm-hmm. them and he's still open arms ready to receive us. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, if you ask me, Dwayne Wade is, is, is exemplifying right. what God's love is to us to his son right. whereas these Christians are are bashing him and they're not even doing any of this in love right not like none love of this all. is in love no one is care- no one is worried about Zaya's well-being while they're doing this that's not what they're they're not even worried about Zaya's soul um and just one last two last points <laughs> that I'll say about it First of all, this was in my notes, and I do want to say this. We are not co-parenting with the Wade family. Right. So how you would raise your children has no bearing on what the Wade family is doing in their home. What D. Wade and Gabrielle and the rest of their circle of trust, whatever they do in this situation, does not affect your household. So people that are having these very visceral and strong reactions um are, are compa- and comparing it to their own children like the the two the never the twain will meet like it doesn't make sense and secondly um we my pastor he used to say it your former pastor i don't want to say like my pastor you know <laughs> <laughs> but bishop used to say something at um communion and i've I haven't heard him say it in a while um, I might not also attend many communion services, but um, <laughs> they're normally at night. I don't do night service things, but um, uh, he used to say something that stuck with me and was so powerful to me because um, if if you're not familiar with like the Christian faith, you take communion and it's a solemn, it's a solemn affair. It's mm-hmm. not something you take lightly and you're supposed to um, take it with a strong conviction so he used to say, every person is the master of their own soul. And he compared it to like a ship. And I'm not saying it like exactly how he would say it. Because he said it in like a very powerful metaphor. So he's like, everyone's a captain of their own soul. So you're steering the ship. You have to be led by your own conviction. So you decide if you want to take this communion. If you feel you are pure, you are holy, you are ready. I really shouldn't have been taking communion. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? And that and that's such a powerful metaphor in life. We can only live by what we are convicted by. Right. D-Wade does not believe like you in your house. Right. He is not convicted by the same things you're convicted by. So if his dilemma is just social norms, and, and that's the only qualm that he had with trans life, he has to look at himself and say, do I care what society thinks more than I care about what my child thinks and what they're telling me? And he decided he's going to accept this and protect his child through this journey. Yeah. And at the same time, even if he was convicted like we are, even if he was you know, living to the code that you set for yourself, that you decided on your own terms to do, how dare you put that on someone else? You came to God when you wanted to come to yeah, God. You, to. you and you didn't you came to God when you wanted to come and then you changed as you saw fit when you saw fit. How, like I've been at the church that I go to since 2002. 
December of 2002 was when I officially joined. To this day, I've lived in several locations all over the city of Indianapolis. My pastor has never stepped foot in any one of my homes. Therefore, he's never come in and regulated anything. Mm -hmm. I listen and I, I assess and I lean to my convictions. Mm -hmm. And that's all we can do as people. So all these people projecting what they think D-Wade should do is crazy to me. He is led by his own conviction. And like I said, back circling back around, even when you are convicted, your first ministry is your family. Always. If you can love every sinner that walks through the door of your establishment or wherever you call mosque, center, church, wherever you call your sacred place of worship, but you can turn your back on your child because they made a decision that you don't like or that you don't agree with or they, they decided to, to live to a cult that you don't um, accept. How dare you? Like God mirrored the church after family. That's why we say brother and sister. Mm -hmm. God is our father and we are a family. So he set the tone for the church, how you should be governing your house. And you're telling this man to beat his child, hate his child, um, leave, abandon his child. Like you showed me, Jordan, you showed me a post um, or read to me a post saying like, yeah, my child can be whatever they want at the foster, at the home. foster home. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's funny. Not um, at all. Because you, and it, like the post that I see and the, and the disgust in which I see it in with, with people, you know, talking about this situation, it's like you, God forbid any of your kids come mm -hmm. home and say any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And your first response is to beat them, mm -hmm. send them away. I, I and I, I got I to a they, even with my children, they don't do anything extremely terrible. Mm -hmm. It's terrible to me, but <laughs> um, just typical kid stuff. But I learned, you know, already that whooping them doesn't help. Mm -hmm. Like I could uh, whoop my son and he'll cry, and then like five minutes later he's back doing something yeah. I told him not to do. I could whoop my daughter and she's just like, yeah, whatever. But if I take my tablet or take her tablet, then uh -huh. she's like crying, crying a river, like Justin Timberlake, uh -huh. like you know. So it's like that doesn't <laughs> bring it back. Yes, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so like whooping doesn't help. Um, so imagine being whooped over something that you are confused about. Yeah. And, and and the thing that, that strikes me is obviously there's an open line of communication. So it's like, I don't think he's enabling him to do anything um, because I feel like at any point that he does that, sorry, she does want to uh, do something strange or whatever, she'll always go back and mm -hmm. talk to her parents about it yeah. because they have that open line of communication. Right. Um, and that's, that's the best thing to have mm -hmm. as a parent. Yeah, and hey, you adults out there, if you're listening, <laughs> trans journey and coming to terms with your pronouns is not a surgery. No one has talked about genitalia. Oh to, my to, my, to my knowledge, D-Wade has not mentioned that. I haven't heard anything saying that Zaya has mentioned that. Stop uh, equating gender and sexuality. No one is doing that. No one is um, saying that sexual acts are being performed or done or um, on the on the the menu. 
<laughs> um, get out of this child's pants and bedroom. Stop that, grown-ups. Learn something. Google something. Um, what I learned, and I learned this literally from Glee. And it was from a trans person. And they were asked about being trans. And they said, this is how you need to understand it. Um, get out a pen if you need to. Schooling, you guys. <laughs> I'm schooling right now. Gender and sexuality are different. Sexuality is who you go to bed with. Gender is who you go to bed as. Okay? Say it again for the people. Gender is who you go to bed as. And this child has been struggling and confused and and wondering and feeling these feelings and finally is able to voice that and has parents loving, protecting her through this. How dare you speak and spew any hatred out of your mouth? And how dare you talk about anything between this child's legs? She is 12 years old. Get yourselves together, grown-ups. Thank you. And uh, hearts and minds clear. Clear. <laughs> like the church say. Amen. <laughs> hey, In other news. <laughs> um, this one, it's been talked about back and around again. Both parties have now apologized, but I do want to go um, into just a little bit with Gail King. Um, we got to oh. talk about it. Just a minute. I don't even want to give it that much time and energy. But I will say this. Her line of questioning was inappropriate for who she questioned. Lisa Leslie was there as a friend and loved one of Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. She was not his lawyer. She was not in the trial. She was not on the case. Therefore, the line of questioning and the um, tenacity in which she persisted with those questions was inappropriate. No, she should not have gotten death threats. No, Snoop Dogg should not have disrespected her and used the terminology and the terms that he did and many other people did right. but of course he's famous and that got that got national attention um but she was wrong and her um playing the innocent act of oh they cut it together those words still came out of your mouth yeah, you still yeah, asked no. those questions of a loved one and a friend um so Lisa Leslie should not have had to speak about. I don't. It, it's not even about the case or what happened. She should not have been the one that have to speak about that. She's there representing someone who loved Kobe. How how could she talk and demean his character and then go kiss Vanessa and the kids and say I love you? I'm praying for you, sis. Exactly. No, you couldn't sis me not a day in your life. Exactly. So it was wrong for for Gail to push for that. Yeah. But on the other hand. I will say this. No, she shouldn't have gotten death threats. But celebrities get death threats for way less and we don't cape for them. I saw on social media that Ghost Son on a fictional a television fictional. show. Yes, yes. The, char the man that plays Ghost Son is getting real live death threats. And he reached out to social media and people are laughing. Oh, wow, that's crazy. But then for Gail, I'm supposed to file on the floor because she got one. So what I'm saying is celebrities get those all the time. And a lot of them, thank God, are idle. But it, it still is inappropriate and it's wrong. But I, I feel way worse that ghosts, that a, a child, I mean, he's not a child, but a man 
an actor on a television show gets death threats for playing a character. Like, I feel like that's way more egregious. I mean, you don't watch Power. Tyreek is very, very... <laughs> <laughs> Whew, that child. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely overboard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Snoop's coming... Like, Gail's apology was weak on her end of saying, like, oh, they cut it together bad. And Snoop's was weak to me. To my, I had to talk with my mom. Snoop is old enough to be our father. Like, he's old. Yeah. Like, you had to talk with your mom. You have a wife, a daughter, and grandchildren. So you didn't think about that because you paused and you said, can I say it? And then you went on to say right. it. So when I thought that was that very was super uh, immature. insincere, because I yeah. was like, "It's Snoop, no, I right. don't care for real." Right. I had to talk to my mom. I was like, "Insert eye roll." Like, right? Whatever. He didn't. He didn't care. I mean, I definitely thought it was a bit much yeah. um, on his end for that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and and of course, shout out to uh, Lisa Leslie for. <laughs> oh, <okay>. uh, <laughs> I was going to say, who are you shouting out <laughs> for her answer? It was a really. Mm-hmm. Uh, dope response yeah, and dignified. she's a very good friend even mm, in death. Classy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all need a friend like Lisa Leslie. Yeah. God forbid I die. You, not no tea gonna be discussed on me. <laughs> you say... I'm just gonna say we were never on the same page and keep it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. But, um, yeah, so we have some nerd news. You have Yay! nerd news. Um, and I'll keep it brief. Um, but so like during the Super Bowl, there was a big teaser that everybody went, well, everybody in nerd world with me, they went crazy over. Um, there was a teaser for the Disney plus series. Um, and it was a a multi-level teaser. So it had Falcon, the winter soldier series, WandaVision and the Loki series. Um, just and the Loki series all were um, mentioned in this teaser, which was super cool. And um, so, just a little bit about that. So, like it get, it was like a multi layered like snippet and put things together. So, I watched a couple things how it broke it down and showed you like little um, what they call like Easter eggs and nuggets within it. So, like on on Loki on his um, he's in a prison uniform, but the prison uniform has TVA on it and this is the time variance authority and so um what what the bloggers are thinking is that after this his escape in Endgame with the Tesseract um and this was 2012 Loki escapes with it he travels to different space and time and he messes up the timeline accidentally and the TVA discovers that's him and arrests him but you only see Loki for like a few seconds and all he says is I'm gonna burn this place to the ground in, <laughs> in pure Loki fashion I'm about to say that sounds love like me Loki. some Loki so it was like super cool and I was glad that they like freeze framed it and got that little bit that tidbit so the TVA is like famous from the comic books they weren't used a whole whole lot but they were referenced so they look like they're going to play a big part in his series um the falcon and winter soldier um it looks like parts of it are set in like his new orleans home and where they think that's where he's going to be from because at first that when they notice um the plant life because he throws the shield and we get to see him with the shield and that, that's exciting for me but um he throws a shield and he's throwing it at trees and it's trees that grow only in like the bayou south kind of thing mm-hmm. and which i think would be cool if it is set like if if falcon is really going to be from new orleans because um 
Anthony Mackie is from New Orleans. Like, mm-hmm. as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, they gave him his real hometown. Like, that's cool. Um, WandaVision, they probably gave the most information probably about it. So, like, WandaVision is going to be, like, the first Marvel sitcom. It's going to be very funny. Um, and it's literally going to be set in different decades. And it's going to spoof many different TV shows. But what it really is is, like, um, Wanda really losing her mind since losing vision which i have thoughts and feelings behind that like her brother literally died her twin brother in age of ultron who was like her other half like she literally without knowing without seeing him dead she felt the moment he died it was like really powerful um in the film but like she loses her robot boyfriend and <laughs> now she loses her mind but so the wanda vision series is going to be cool and it looks like um this is going to spark her connection to the um, the film, the second installment of um, Doctor Strange, which she will be a part of, and that's going to be the first horror Marvel film. But oh. It'll still, yeah, it'll still only be PG thirteen, so it won't be too scary. But it's gonna, it's like the it's um, called the um, like madness. It's about the um, and 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 it's going to be connected. It's this is going to be how mutants come into the MCU. Okay. So this is going to have the X-Men tie into the MCU because they will. So, yeah. And so also, like some new tea came out about the Eternals. Um, They are going to be... Okay, the Eternals is another Marvel film that is set to release. Oh, and all three of the series, they um one like one of them was supposed to wait and come out in twenty twenty one, but it looks like they're all pretty much gonna come out fall of twenty twenty of this year. So I'm really excited about that. Um and everybody is most excited about Wanda series. I'm most excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier because Captain America, Captain Daddy, um, he's my favorite <laughs> Avenger. And I'm just excited to see where Falcon takes it. I am proud that Captain America is now a black man. And he should have gotten the shield over um, Winter Soldier, over Bucky, even though I love Bucky. But Bucky is an assassin. Bucky killed JFK. So stop it with him. Be- he can't be Captain America and he killed KFK. JFK but anyways I'm just stressed because this just sounds like a lot of stuff that I'm gonna have to watch in with everything that I'm already behind on with Marvel so this is this is a lot like my anxiety is starting to flare a little bit oh my gosh (laughs) anyways so the Eternals movie will be a little controversial Saints and friends do not boycott the Eternals, but there will be the first openly gay superhero Tyree Henry will play the first openly gay superhero yes he will but i'm saying like he'll be openly gay on the in the movie yeah no i heard i saw i've been seeing stuff go about yes he will be the person who will play his spouse is han haz slayman and he is muslim arab american man and he is actually homosexual um, and he will be playing his husband and they will have a child. And I heard they have, and they will also have the first Marvel gay kiss. And I heard that it's very dramatic. Like it's very dramatic. They said like everybody was crying. So they're making it very classy. They want to show representation and not show exclusion. Like because they're a clean family film, you can have a, a gay family and they're going to show a gay family being wholesome and happy and no, you know, a normal part of society and, and not erase that from 
people's history. Like everybody wants inclusion and wants to see themselves represented in film. And so that's what they're doing. And I think they're going to do it in a wholesome, clean way. And don't flip out. Just put on your big girl pants and your big boy pants and get over it. Also, She-Hulk is discussed. Um, Disney Plus is in the making that in the works. They don't have a, a She-Hulk. Um, they're casting it now. Anybody um, from 25 to 36. So um, we know they want to use her in several, in both the series. And she will also be in the movies because if you look at the casting call and what they what they want to do with the character, she will be an Avenger eventually. Um, but they are going to stick to the comic book. She will be related to Hulk in some way. She's a, his cousin in, in the comic books and she gets a blood transfusion and that's how she turns into the Hulk because she has like-minded, I mean, she has like DNA anyway because mm -hmm. she's way to him. So then she becomes the She-Hulk. Um, cause like if you, we watched the Hulk film, I showed you that Hulk film, yeah. but I don't know if you remember like his blood is supposed to be toxic and yeah. messes up everybody yeah. else. Yeah. So because she's a relative, it's going to work for her, but we don't know yet if they're going to have her cousin or something else. You say we don't know, like you're sitting behind no! the scenes right now. Oh, you are so like, shady. You are ridiculous. I'm just saying. <laughs> we don't know. I'm just, oh, <laughs> I will say they haven't put out the information if they're going to keep it the same as the comic books that she'll be a cousin, but she will be a relative and she will also be a lawyer like she is in the comics so I'm really excited to see She-Hulk and all of those and the last nerd news I have is that Valentine's Day we got a teaser for Stranger Things 4 and I'm so excited wait 4? yes yeah, season 4 Jesus I thought it was you yeah. we've left you behind right. um so anyways and it, the, literally like the little um caption was like from russia with love or whatever because um at the end of stranger things street spoiler alert end of stranger things <laughs> three um they're in russia and they have an american and everyone who watched it thought it was hopper that they had but you don't see who it was um, in this little teaser that they released on Valentine's Day, you see Hopper like working on a chain game and he's alive, he's well, so Stranger Things 4 has got to be about getting Hopper home and safe. So we're really excited to see it. We definitely, um, we definitely knew he was alive. Like anybody who's a fan of the show, you knew and Noah kind of spilled the tea like in an interview and, um... Even um, Millie Bobby Brown, who plays Elle, his adopted daughter, like she kind of did too, because she, she said in an interview one time, she was like, oh, when Elle thought Hopper was dead, it was like, mm, that's some tea. But yes, he's definitely alive. Shaved head and all, he's shaved in this one. And like normally he has a beard and long, like kind of shaggy hair, um, like 80s style hair. So he's shaved on the chain gang. So it looks really cool. Um, and we're excited about that. Um, yeah, so that's all I have for new nerd news, but I do have a little, what I call news news. Um, and that is at the time that we're recording this yesterday was the democratic debate. Mm -hmm. Um, Elizabeth Warren definitely stole the show. I heard. She definitely secured my vote. Um, I was still on the fence. I really liked Andrew Yang who dropped out recently. Um, I, uh, I, originally really liked Pete Buttigieg 
Um, Say that again. Pete Buttigieg. Okay. Um, he is an Indiana mayor, and he's a millennial. Um, and I thought like somebody young he's from Indiana. He gets it. He's not going to leave us out. But he's had like a very um. Sketchy past with the African American community that he was mayor over, and a lot of blacks um, that I respect and that I follow on Twitter and social media. I've read their stuff, and they don't have good things about him. So I felt kind of in limbo. But the powerful messages that um, Elizabeth Warren delivered, and she called out um, former uh, mayor um, Bloomberg. She called him out real good. Like she, and they all painted him as really the democratic version of Donald Trump. He is a billionaire chauvinist who has a history of, um, you know, of destroying marginalized communities and stop and frisk, which is really like historically, like the nation knows what stop and frisk has done to black and brown kids. Um, And she called him out. She spoke so eloquently and she was so like, she was just fierce with it. Is and that the one who had the NDAs with certain women? Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. They called him out big time. Um, and I I really respected her. And like I said, I felt in limbo. Like, who who could I really be passionate about? Like, I knew I'd vote for a Dem, but I, I didn't know who I'd be passionate about. But Elizabeth Warren, like, you you bagged that. So I'm really... <laughs> um, so I'm really... Um, interested to hear more from her and I'm really going to take her candidacy seriously now. Um, but yeah, so that's all my news news. I'm going to keep it brief um, because I definitely want to talk about um, our closing uh, topic of the night and that is Black History Black Month. Black History Month. Um, I, I'm definitely not going to skip that topic. And, exactly. and so, and the question I, I posed to Jordan and something I wanted us to think about is you hear people talk and they'll say like, Oh, we don't need a black history month. I hear black people saying it. And that's what really caught my attention because white people have always said it. We don't have a white history month. Well, that's because every month is white history month. We're always, we always are acknowledging what, the contribute the contributions of white Americans, but our history gets left out a lot. And I feel that, um, so I was really shocked when you hear black people say it and they say it, and I've heard it for different reasons. Some say it like, Oh, cause I celebrate black history month all the time, but I feel like, um, it can't be canceled. We can't say well, there's no need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's American history, history, but unfortunately, it's not treated as such. And so, um, I feel like we have to uphold this tradition and continue to celebrate uh, the achievement and the contributions of Black culture and what we've made in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, and not just America, the world. I feel like, but one thing I talked even um, with Toddy. Shout out to Toddy who just called recently. <laughs> but we talked earlier this week and I told him, I said, I feel like we should have a national holiday within the month of Black History Month to celebrate and reverence. Like something that, you know, we knew, we know that day we're going to intentionally celebrate Black History. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know people do events all throughout the month, but it wouldn't be great to have a day that was like, Black History Day. 
Yeah. And that where we got off work or where we we knew like, oh, what are you doing for Black History Day? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. we purposely set aside time to do that. I think that is even important. Not just saying we have a month because there's uh, there's um, Hispanic um, American, but there's Women's Month. There's all these different months. So why why take ours away? Why yeah. say, oh, I'm black every month, so I'm not like don't get so deep. It's time to acknowledge our contributions. And I think that is very important. And um, some, and I, because I, I feel like MLK Day, yes, it's black history. It's American history. We have a day for that. That's in January. One day set aside in February where we say it's intentionally about black history. I think that'd be important. But and, I'll let you. And I know you asked me um like is black history month necessary and I simply put black history month is necessary because we are necessary period (laughs) like you know there's so many things that we've done and and during this month we always highlight uh, MLK Rosa Parks Mm -hmm. like God bless them love them but there are so many other people Uh um, you know um, uh, present in um, and past um, that nobody highlights and nobody talks about um, and I personally wanted to uh, highlight someone that um, would that means something, whether we knew of her or not, uh, mm-hmm. because she was a poet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I figure, you know, we both love poetry. Yeah. You know, that's our thing. Um, and just, <laughs> I've got a poet that I'm going to talk about. Yeah. What's her, what, who you got? It's not. It, it's not a hidden figure like you're going to talk oh, okay. about. It's just a more common note. Oh, okay. Um, so I figured, you know, let's let's highlight somebody other than, you know, somebody who we always hear about. Like, I mean, we we pretty much know, you know, MLK and Rosa Parks, you know, back in front. You know, we could talk about them in our sleep. Um, but there's other people, you know, that need to be yeah. um, there, there. There's so many other um, people that could be highlighted. So I highlighted a, um, uh, a, a poet. Her name is Lucille Clifton. Uh, she was born in 1936. She passed away in 2010. And this uh, poem actually really goes with uh, just us in this month. And it says, uh, won't you celebrate with me what I have shaped into a kind of life? I had no model, born in Babylon, both non-white and woman. What did I see to be except myself? I made it up. Here on this bridge between starshine and clay, my one hand holding tight my other hand, come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. And I feel like that speaks to us as a whole. Like, even though she's speaking of basically being a a black woman, but even as a whole, like every day we're triumphant in, you know, uh, getting out of poverty, um, you know, um, even just being able to be, um, integrated, you Mm -hmm. know, when we were once segregated, you know, so it's just like, we are something to be celebrated because we're resilient. Mm -hmm. We have gone through so much. We continue to go through so much, even if it's something, you know, really small, we still figure out ways to, uh, overcome it and still keep rocking it out. You know, mothers, you know, um, uh, black mothers, you know, they, they like, we carry the, the weight of the world on our shoulder, not just even just black mothers, but black women, uh-huh. um, you know, and then we get up, we hit the ground running, you know, even when we're tired, 
Um, so I think I just think that we're beautiful and we just need to be celebrated yeah. and, and more than just a month because yeah. we endure so much. Yeah. But it's definitely necessary because it's like that's definitely the time where it's like you're going to see us, you're yeah. going to hear us, you're going to respect us exactly. because a lot of things wouldn't be without us. Right. Exactly. Um, and also like with her, um, she was um, so she was discovered, uh, Lucille Clifton, she was discovered by Langston Hughes. Um, her poetry speaks That's a lot. That's what I'm talking about. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> so this is her, uh, his uh, mentor. Uh, that is well, so funny. Yeah, yeah mentee. Yeah. Um, her poetry speaks a lot about endurance and strength through adversity. Uh, she won a Ruth Lilly Poetry Prize. Yeah. And she served as the state of Maryland's poet laureate from 1974 through 85. And for those who don't know what a poet laureate is, is just a poet that's officially appointed by a government or institution to write poems for special events or occasions. So they get like, you know, money and stipends uh-huh. to actually go like speak uh, at the White House or uh, at a school or something like that. Which as I was researching, I was like, you know, I could see me doing something like that. Because okay. I really do, we both do uh, love, you know, poetry. So yeah. that's... Uh, a black history figure that I wanted to Yay. Uh, point out. I like that. And here's what I had to say about black history. And mine is not, uh, I, I like that we did it differently because I didn't really research the per. I didn't put like the research in it. I said was meaningful to me and then I pointed out somebody that um, mattered to me. But I put that white America has been at odds with black people throughout our entire history um, throughout this country and to celebrate our achievements um, that were oftentimes a direct result of white adversity would force white America to face and admit their own guilt. So they erase it from our history books. They clean their um, their beloved forefathers' hands and paint America's achievements from the perspective of the white lens as the heroes when they're so often been the villains. Um and maybe one day we'll have the the whole truth and nothing but the truth in the history books where it will feel silly to celebrate marginalized or minor, minority groups singularly because no one will be marginalized and everyone will be recognized and we'll be honest and there'll be a free-flowing um you know exchange of celebration and achieve you know and celebrating achievement and recognition but that future is far off and until then we must use every tool at our disposal to celebrate one another and to teach our children of our deep rich heritage and legacy of contribution within this country and beyond and again toddy um we got started talking about black history month because he sent me this um music video from a rapper um his name is d smoke it's not to be cute uh, not to be confused with pop smoke who recently passed away mm. um and was gunned down but d smoke has a, a new video out and it's called black habits and he celebrates and references all these things throughout black history he um is he goes from slavery to now and at the end of the video he bought like at the beginning of the video he is a slave at this slave house by the end of the video he buys the slave house mm. and um toddy sent me the video and he was like look at this and i didn't immediately look at it and he was like look at what i sent you <laughs> 
And I'm like, the king of not texting back, Glenn. Call me out. But okay. But I watched it and it was really powerful. And he had a line in it that I sent when I finally watched it. I sent it back to Tati. And I was like, yes. And the line, he says, I'm black as the concrete. And, you know, I love that line because many times, even black people ourselves, we look at black as an insult. We use that to say negative things about each other. Like, ooh, she black. I like, you know, I like brown skin. I, yeah. And I love when people, you know, and it's being black. And when he said it, yeah, black as, as the concrete, that's a color. But it's more than that. And that's why, you know, even as me, you know, I always say I'm mahogany. mahogany. And I always say <laughs> I'm chocolate. And I will never stop saying that. And I am those things because it's more than just a shade is more than just a complexion. It's about who I am and my identity as a black woman. And it reminded me, and when he said the line, I waited to the, hear the lyrics because I thought he was going to reference Langston Hughes because he has this poem. And what, when I originally start saying about black and using black as part of my identity and not just about the color, but a part of who I am as a woman, his, and the poem is called Negro. And he starts off, he says, I am a Negro. Black as the night is black. black Black like the depths of my Africa. And the poem is so long. And I, I looked at how long it was. I thought I can't read all of it. But I loved that line. And I remember being as a even a kid. Like um, I would say it to Aunt Jen all the time. I was like I'm black as the depths of my Africa. Like, Here Kim goes again. <laughs> See I did. We, had to, we, was on, we were on the same page. Whenever she gets started. Yeah. Here she go. I'm chocolate. I'm black. I am black people. I am all of us. We are each other. Right. I love that like it's not a negative thing. I'm black mixed with more black. Like I don't you know it. beauty is not connected um to whiteness and and looking like European standards, they don't control my beauty standard. Right. You know what I mean? And to say that and to say like I'm black as concrete, it just reminded me of that poem. Like I'm black as the depths of my Africa and I just loved it. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think that Black History Month and having it and making it a necessity, it continues to uplift us in ways that we're constantly, when we're constantly torn down in this world. So I think it's very important. Um, and I think black history for me, it is Langston Hughes. It is James Weldon Johnson. It is those big figures that we talked about, but it's also learning about the hidden figures in our history that I never do. It's about, um, it's a time where black people, uh, black achievements are part of the pre and the present should be honored and celebrated. And it's necessary and gives us, um, a, a better sense of worth and acknowledgement and feeling net recognized when when we're erased a lot of times and so definitely I think we're on the same page as this on keep Black page. History Month mm -hmm. going strong. Yeah. Uh, so we want to close out with because this is we have Black History Month and this is Love Month because of Valentine's Day and so this is Black Love Month black and so love. we're celebrating all things love and black mm -hmm. and us and the essence of who we are and one thing that I discussed with Jordan is that I hate speaking of love I hate <laughs> um, how Jimmy Kimmel he brings these celebrities on that he's so grateful that they're on, but then he has them read mean tweets about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and so I I said, I want to do sweet tweets. Like, why aren't we talking about 
positive uplifting things especially in black love month right, right we're gonna we're gonna bring some sweetness and i love this post and it doesn't have to be a tweet but this is a post an instagram post that tracy ellis ross she did on valentine's I day i totally love her she's <laughs> awesome she is um and this is her valentine's post as a happily and gloriously longtime single woman who also has a deep desire to be in a romantic partnership with someone, Valentine's Day can be tricky. But I am reminded that although I do not have one special partner, my life is wonderfully full of so much special love. And one of my favorite parts of being single is how I get to choose who I spend my time with, share my heart with, hang with, giggle with, call, dine, across from. I have cultivated a robust robust tribe around me. And today, on this designated day of love, I hope that all of you in my tribe and all of you remember how lovable we are. Happy Valentine's Day. Hashtag here's to best friends and lovers. And I love that. <laughs> I do too. I, I definitely, um, that makes me feel better because I, I won't even lie with you. Like I be lonely. Um, I just don't feel like I was created to be alone. Mm. Um, and I mean, I guess we all aren't, um, but just me specifically, I'm like, I don't even want to be alone. Like, you know, because you, you got some people who uh-huh. don't care like, to be. I love being single. Yeah, like some people don't care mm-hmm. to be. And, you know, I want somebody to share uh, my life yeah. with. And, of course, my kids, but they're not going to keep me. Uh, first of all, they're going to grow up. They're going to get older. And they're not even going to fool with me no more. <laughs> um, so to hear somebody that's so, you know, established and, you know, uh, can have any person that she wants, you know, for her to say that she's, uh, you know, single, but she does long for somebody that makes, that doesn't make me feel so weird. Mm. Cause you know, you got some people stop, just enjoy your singleness and uh, yeah. I get it, <laughs> but I want somebody yeah. leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I also, it also, to me, it's like, I'm sure you hear it all the time. Why are you single? Like, you know, people judge like, oh, you should have somebody because you check off this list. You know, you're pretty, you're this, you're that. And it's like, I if I if yes, I'm single and want somebody and I'm in good company. Tracy Ellis Ross is yeah. also single, wants somebody yeah. and still single, like of her own, you know, not of her own will. And I like, and I'm, I'm in that same boat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that. I wasn't going with, there with that. Never on the same page. But I did. I just thought it was just so loving and so yeah. encouraging what she has to say. And it's true. Like we, you don't have to be in a romantic partnership, just right. like we talked about earlier to celebrate love. Right. There, there's so many different kinds of love. Um, uh, that we do have in our lives. Uh, like you said, like you have your children um, and like we have with our friends and that make our lives full. Like even though she wants someone, her life is full. Her life is full. Yeah. Um, so I really love that. That's my sweet tweet. Yeah. Um, and we're definitely over time. We're over time. So uh, thank you for listening. Um, enjoy the rest of this month. Enjoy each other. Uh, love on each other. And um, tune in to us next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>